0: What's going on? My name is Brandon with Lux Lighting. Um, we're here with Brent Nichols, General Manager of Lux, and Morgan Patterson, an, adv- uh, an advisor for Lux Lighting for the last year. Morgan, can you kind of go over your background and and uh, where you come from in the LED industry?
1: Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, so, so yeah, I've been working in LEDs and LED R and D for 15 years since I got my PhD. I have a Ph.D. from University of California, Santa Barbara in material science and my thesis advisor was Shuji Nakamura who invented the blue LED and got the Nobel Prize for it in 2014. So after grad school, I've been working in um, managing R&D for general illumination lighting as as the whole industry transitioned from incandescent and fluorescent and HID to, to LED technology. And then through that work, I was doing some work with the USDA, Department of Energy, and started tracking horticultural lighting applications. And then I, I hooked up with Lux. Nice. Um, now, I know
0: you do some consulting with the state of California. What's your role on that, or what do they? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's, um, I cross paths with some of the... Uh, regulators and they they check in with me like uh when they're coming up with new standards new performance standards to make sure they're uh they make sense I mean they check check in with a lot of people uh but uh I've got a little bit of a re- relationship with them and and they'll say hey you know can LEDs achieve this efficacy and and it's like yeah no no worries and you know it doesn't make sense to transition and you know I'll give them my thoughts yeah right on
2: for sure yeah, I remember sitting in on a call with you on one of those uh, commission boards, and there's a lot of concern out there, especially like from the cultivator aspect, about you know switching from HPS and going into LED, and you know brands building their uh, their identity around you know HPS, uh, you know lighting technology, and the characteristics that that particular lighting gives to to plants. You know, in your research, you know are you, how are you guys study, studying like plant morphology and, and looking at you know how LED compares to HPS, um, and have you seen any you know gains in, in that side of it from a research side?
1: Yeah, f- for sure. Um, you know, there's, there's not there's nothing magic about it, right? There's there's photons made by HPS, and there's uh, the influence of the of the HPS fixture on the environment and temperature. And then there's some some leaf heating that goes on, and so you know you can you can replicate that with LED, and you can actually do better if if you know what you're what you're doing, right? And mm-hmm. and if if the cultivator knows that it's you know they have to make adjustments too, right? So they're getting they're losing some heat, they're losing some wattage in their cultivation space, they're losing some radiative leaf heating, and so you, if you make those adjustments, um, and then you have you know, if you can have more effective photons, a better spectrum from the LED technology, then then you're going to do better. But you have to, you have to, you can't just, you know, make a swap and expect it to be exactly the same.
2: That's an interesting um, uh, sentence there, more effective photons. Yeah. What do you, yeah. do you want to, can you elaborate <laughs> on that for us a little bit? Well,
1: yeah, it's it's a little bit of a um, developing understanding, right? Uh, you know, f- according to, you know, how we measure the performance of a horticultural light fixture, which is basically any photon between 400 and 700 nanometers, counts the same at, in terms of micromoles. Uh, but y- you need to have some balance there. And, and, you know, you can't just have all monochromatic photons of, of one wavelength. Uh, and you, it's good to have a spread plants like a spread they like a um a certain amount of blue and a certain amount of red and even even some green photons right and green helps the cultivators so they can see what's going on so you don't have to live in a blue red world there but but yeah you have to find a balance with the photons the plants frankly prefer red but you can overdo it easily
0: yeah we've we've been learning that the past uh, year on our testing that we've done over at jungle boys with this um, new 2023 regulation on efficacy, what's your, what's your thought on that? I mean, you've seen a lot of cultivators getting worried that they're gonna have to switch out their lights. What's, you know, you're, you're the expert, so what's, what's the deal on that?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly the, how that's gonna work, but in 2023, uh, for new construction, this is, that's where the standard's gonna apply, right? And I think it's at 1.9, they're thinking 1.9 micromoles per joule is the standard, so. For A greenhouse, correct? 1.9 micromoles for greenhouse, and then I think
2: it's 2.1 for indoor. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. right, yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, that's that's an easy standard to meet with LED technology. Uh, we've seen some HPS systems that could be made to do 2.1 or better. But it's it's only for new construction mm. or large retrofit. So if you have an existing setup and you need to change a light, more no than ten percent, yeah. I believe it is. If you change yeah. It so so the
0: growers lights. growers aren't going to be having to take down lights in 2023 and put up more efficient lights. They can still run their HPS just the same. It's just after 2023 in California, you won't be able to hang 2.1 or less.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I understand it.
0: Yeah. No, that's um, you know we've been doing a lot of testing um, the last you know twelve months, and we're going back and forth, and we're seeing a lot of these newer LEDs that you know are central focused on energy output and kind of have the form factor of an HPS, but they put it in an LED fixture, which is forcing you to raise the light three to even four foot above the canopy, and then you're also having high output led systems that have a similar form factor because of the wattage you you're seeing you know thousand twelve hundred watt led you know and you're having to raise those above the canopy you know three to four feet what's your what's your thought you know and what's the direction that you're seeing is the best form factor for led um with those with those two platforms
1: yeah, so in in general illumination, we've seen this where people want want the LED technology to look like and act like the old technology, and that's that makes it simple for you know a homeowner to swap out a light bulb, right? And you get a more efficient light source. But what that does for for general illumination and horticulture is you end up kind of having the worst of both worlds. You have the technology limitations of of the old technology that you're, you're trying to make the LED technology fit into. So with the HPS example, if you're trying to make LEDs look like an HPS fixture, what you end up doing is jamming a bunch of LEDs close together, which heats them up and then you get them real close together. So you don't have a good optical distribution and you don't get the same uniformity at the canopy. So, you know, the better direction I think is, is, these like arrays of bars that create different uh uh places where the lights generated and you have different angles of light hitting the canopy and penetrating into the canopy you've you've moved the LEDs away from each other so they stay cooler um and it's easier to manage their their temperature and you can get the fixture you know a lot closer which helps you can get you know higher PPFD that way so it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me short term to or even long term to try to make led to shoehorn led technology into the old technology form factors leds and led fixtures should look like what's best for the technology not like what people are used to
0: and what would that what would that look like more spreading energy across a large surface area
1: yeah, I think you, you want to spread out surface so you have the light coming in at a lot of different angles and you have the LEDs not too jammed up heating each other up and interacting with each other. So it, it looks like, you know, frankly like the Lux 645 and and products like that, linears that that have high intensity that you can put close to the canopy.
2: It's an interesting um concept at the moment i was reading a website yesterday i was looking doing some research in the uk on some prices some lighting and i saw a statement on there for every one percent reduction in ppf output is a one percent reduction in yield that's yeah. literally this is a statement that's being made and you know it seems like people are being influenced into like going back to the high output right you know high watts because that's going to equal yield whereas we're using 645 watts to produce over a thousand micromoles at the canopy and we're getting comparable yields to a thousand watt hps so it seems like we're in a there's a change going on like you know the market's influencing people to purchase a product that is designed to work in an opposite way
1: yeah i mean that's that's what's super interesting about horticulture is that, you know, light yield is proportional to the PPFD, right? Mm-hmm. And, and LEDs get you more PPFD per watt, right? And then, you know, you can control the environment, right? It's worthwhile controlling the environment for this, for this crop, uh, you know, basically having almost perfect control. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, people... You know, the old days or the old thinking of, uh, you know, PPFD, we're going to saturate photosynthesis at a certain PPFD level. when people keep keep going be- beyond that and beyond that. Cannabis loves light. You know, it's like the more light, the better. Mm. Um, you know, there's practical limits to getting there. But, you know, a lot of good products are putting out more PPFD with good uniformity, with mm. better spectrum. And that's definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. Can you go
0: over, what's the, I know you you know the terminology, but the inverse square law?
1: Sure. So, so, you know, when you have light coming out of a source, it it spreads out. It covers a certain area that, that, whatever that amount of light is, it covers a certain area. And as you get further away from the source, that area gets bigger. So your PPFD goes down. And so basically if you're, you know, if you're one foot away from a, a light source and you're, lights covering an area that has a radius of of one foot right then your area is like pi r squared now if you're two foot away and your radius is two feet pi r squared that r squared you're you're one fourth uh, you know because ppfd is per area so you you know the further you get from the light source the lower your ppfd is going to be
0: okay so having a high output led hung you know three to four foot of uh, above the canopy will give you a similar effect as a lower watt output being hung closer to the canopy like you know 12 to 18 inches
1: sure yeah and what what you're going to do too is you're going to have a uniformity problem because you know right underneath that that fixture uh you have a hot spot you have the highest ppfd right there but then as you go away from it uh you're going to have it's going to drop off quick, right? And that's, you know, that's just what we've been talking about with the uniformity and the spread. Um, you, you know, having multiple places or bars where the light's being generated and delivered from uh, minimizes that and keeps your PPFD high and uniform. Mm-hmm. For
2: sure. So I guess the concept is, is you know, they're turning up the watts, you know what I mean, to, to power those chips. And so how does... The, all that heat affect chips
1: yeah LEDs don't like to run hot they okay. they uh efficiency goes down okay. and the the lifetime goes down, and so you know some of these products where they've jammed all these leds together real real close, they have to use different leds different LED packages, which aren't as efficient as the most efficient LED packages, which are uh you know the the mid power thirty thirty leds um, so they have to use different packages that aren't as efficient, and then run them hotter, um, which degrades their efficiency even further, and degrades their their lifetime. Okay.
0: Yeah, we've been doing a lot of um, tests with UL Labs recently, sending our fixtures in, sending other fixtures in, and doing um, you know 82 day tests for thousand hour runs, and we're kind of seeing which are the best diodes and um you know what have you know in the research that we've done what uh what diode companies have you been you know leaning towards or what have you you've been liking that on the test that we've been doing with UL Labs
1: yeah there's you know there's a handful of of the best LED companies out there that make that can make the best LEDs not not all of of their LEDs are the best, but their best LEDs are the best, right? And, um, you know, we, we like Lumileds, we like Samsung, we like Osram, there's a couple other companies that make good LEDs, um, uh, Nichia, which is where Shuji Nakamura worked when he invented the blue LED, uh, and uh, Cree makes good LEDs, and, and I'm sure I'm missing, missing some others, but, you know, there's, got to look for leds that are are um efficient have good reliability and lifetime are you know good value and pricing and uh, a company that you want to work with that's you know that you can engage with so um yeah i think it's uh it's something you have to always watch because they kind of m- each LED, each of these good LED companies makes advancements and, and uh, makes little improvements, and you you, you want to keep up with that in these uh, horticultural fixtures. Because honestly, uh, in horticulture, efficiency and, and performance is so much more important than general illumination. You know, we we pay f- we pay more for that efficiency because just like Brent was saying, one percent improvement is one percent more yield, and that that's a lot of money.
2: Yeah, for sure. Can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how LEDs are born? You know, <laughs> it's really interesting because we've got, you know, we always hear of these different manufacturers and there's different grades and there's different bins.
1: So, you know, do you want to talk us through that process? Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny because when you, when you talk about making an LED, we, we talk about growing the LED. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's a crystal growth process. So this is a crystal material, a semiconductor crystal. And it's a special material that's that's really only come into play with LED technology. It's called gallium nitride. And you have to uh, grow it in a, a crystal growth reactor called a metal organic chemical vapor deposition reactor. And it, you grow them up at like 1,200 degrees C and you flow gas over a substrate. And you, you basically put together this semiconductor structure. And, um, you know, you're doing this while you're spinning around a six-inch substrate or five or six six inch substrates i don't even know what the scale is now and so you're trying to grow you know grow these nanometer thickness structures at 1200 degrees c f- while flowing gas so it's uh it's like you know it's kind of like a growing a plant everything's got to be just perfect and when when it's a little bit off on the edge of the wafer the temperature is at one degree different than the center of the wafer the performance of the leds that come from that portion of the wafer can be a little bit different, right? So then the LED manufacturers take this wafer, they cut it up, they put electrical connectors on it, they put it into a package, and there's different LED package types. Um, And then they grade grade the LEDs, and they they end up in different bins based on how efficient they are, what their color is, and uh, what their voltage is. And so then you know as a as an led buyer you have to go and look at okay what's the best bin from the you know from the best led company and you know a a top bin from a medium led company might you know might be pretty good also but with horticulture you really just want to use the best bin from the best led companies yeah it's really interesting i love
2: hearing that story you know the you know to bring it back to the ul testing that you know we've been doing you know what did you have that statement like not all leds are equal because it really comes down to the bin selection you know if you're getting a top tier bin you know and during this age testing we're not seeing a degradation in those diodes if you're buying an led that uses you know average leds or average diodes we're seeing a you know a one to two percent come off inside that thousand hours 82 days yeah yeah you know so if you're two years into your fixture you're already going to be down you know between eight to ten percent on total light output and you know when you bring it back to that one degradation in a light source you know is equivalent to yields you're going to start seeing yields come off the bottom line so selecting an led that uses top you know top manufacturer top bin diodes is just crucial to the ongoing performance of the fixture
1: yeah, and, and, and taking care of it, having good thermal management in the fixture and having the fixture, you know, be protected. And also the LEDs need to be protected from sulfur. And there's certain packages that have that, that kind of protection that you got to check for if that's in the environment. So that can degrade the reflective surfaces in the LED.
2: What's the... It's called vulcanization, right? Is it is it the yeah, correct terminology? I think anti-vulcanization. Anti, anti-vulcanization. I mean, there's different yeah. LED
1: companies do it a different way. But yeah, for... For human lighting for general illumination, you know the end of life is considered when the either when the the light crops out or when it's thirty percent off of its original light intensity because as humans we can see fine uh over such a wide range of light intensities but in, with plants and with horticulture, you know one percent light output degradation is one percent less uh yield, and so the the standard in the industry is is q ninety it's like ten percent off, and you're throwing that light away, basically, um, which is completely different than general illumination. So, in horticulture, you know, efficiency is more important, reliability is more important, and you know the the yeah the products just have to be a lot better, which is super cool. And so that means in this industry, this is basically the cutting edge for all lighting. You know, the red, it's brought up red LED performance. This this application and uh you know brought up uh, wide led performance you know all of the best leds are going into horticulture right now
0: yeah going to <clears throat> that spectrum and the test that we've been doing at jungle boys i mean you said it you know what what do you think um what do you think about what we're doing over at jungle boys on you know hundreds, thousands of lights multiple rooms multiple spectrum multiple ppfd i mean, which, have you ever done it do you know any other companies doing anything like this? Have you ever done anything like this? Like what's your whole thought on that? What we're doing?
1: No, this is there's nothing like it in the whole world, right? So most most horticulture science um is done at universities. And, you know, up up until now, even now it's hard for universities to study uh marijuana. There's only a handful of places that can do this do that, and a lot of times they're 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 limited to doing research on hemp, and even that's like just been happening for a few years. And when they do a study, you know, they're doing a couple grow chambers, highly controlled conditions to to learn the underlying plant physiological responses to light. You know, they're not they're not scaled up, so they, you know, they that gives you hints like of what what could work in a production environment. And then you know, light companies have done their studies. You know, kind of onesie-twosie, small scale, and you just, a lot of times you don't know how good the growers are. And if, so if they're getting a, an improvement under a certain light, it, what's their baseline? How, how good were they to begin with? So so what we've been doing is we're taking the best LEDs in the world, you know, new spectrum that, you know, we're getting hints from, from the, the academic researchers about what to try, doing it at scale uh, at the best grower in the world. So, you know, there's, there's nothing like that and, and it's, it's hard work. It's not like a, an easy path, you know, there's, there's ups and downs with doing it, but at the end of the day, when you find something out, you know, it's real and that's, you know, that's good and bad, but it's like, it, it shows you what path to pursue in development and, and maybe some paths that you, you know, you don't have to pursue anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, uh, it's been crucial. I think that's kind of what sets sets the LUX team apart is the ability to actually touch the plant at scale in Los Angeles. You know, it's just right there. So, we're, you know, we have Matt, the head of design, you know, making trips down nonstop, taking data points. Um, do you want to go over some of the data points that we took and what we saw, you know, on, on THC testing and, and just overall you know what what we were focusing on through through some of those those testing
1: sure i mean some of it's in progress still but but basically what the what the hypothesis was that we started with was you know plants plants like red light you know what's what's the most red we can we can pump into the plants and, and see how they respond and you know on the flip side of that is is the red leds are the most efficacious leds for for generating photons so, you know, that's a good match. If you if you can maximize the red and that maximizes the plant growth, you get efficiency and, and productivity there. So we we've been trying some really heavy red recipes and they were, you know, the results were crazy. But at the end we saw some some downside, you know, some some bleaching. Uh but right up until that happened, the plants were growing like crazy. The THC levels were good. So, you know, what, what that tells us is okay we kind of knew this spectrum matters yeah yeah spectrum matters but you're you're kind of playing with fire too you know you you it matters and then it it matters a little too much so you know that's that's what we're figuring out and uh you know we when i can i go back and talk to my academic friends and see see what their thinking is and how how this matches up with their plant physiological uh understanding and then we, we try it again. We make an adjustment and try it again.
0: And then you come back to Roach and then <laughs> see what he's thinking and what, what's going on there.
1: Yeah, it's like, you, yeah, you got to connect all the dots, right? You got to connect the LED manufacturers and the best LEDs with the best, latest academic research and thinking and with the best growers. You know, yeah. that's that's what's really unique about this team and why, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it.
2: Just uh, wanted to throw in there, there's there seems to be two kind of camps in, in the LED industry. You've got the PPF guys or the PPFD guys, and then you've got the spectrum guys, <laughs> right? You know, what's your thoughts on those two fields? You know, obviously, we're really digging into the spectrum side of things at the moment in, you know, REDS and Wavelengths, which, you know, is, I think, where the gold is. Um, you know, but where do you see it sitting, you know, in, and what's the academic sort of chat around those two, you know, those two insights to growing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what what happened is in the early days of LED horticultural lighting technology that the lights were underpowered compared to HPS, so they just had a lot less output, and so the LED companies would come in and say, "Yeah, we have less output, but look how we match up with the photosynthetic action spectrum. We match it better, so it doesn't matter that we have less output." Um, that's not true. You you gotta have you gotta have the photons, right? You know, and, and plants to a certain degree are are you know to first to first order insensitive to the spectrum because HPS works, right? If you match HPS spectrum up against the the, the McCree curve, it doesn't it doesn't fit that great. But but everybody knows HPS works, right? Yeah. So crushes. Yeah, yeah. So it it's great. You know, so you know, you get these LED companies saying, Hey, hey, you're hey you guys are doing it wrong with HPS. And our, you know, our light that puts out 20 or 30, 40% less is going to do better. And that's, that's not right, right? You know, there's, and I used to call that magic spectrum. There's no magic spectrum that'll overcome that much less light. So now we're at a different phase in this whole development process where LEDs can put out, you know, much more light. They can match the output of an HPS. You can get the lights closer because they're not generating that heat. And now... Now we can circle back on spectrum and do it right, not not to overcome a PPFD des- deficit, but to to get the PPFD and then a, a basic PPFD des- deficit.
2: Yeah, for sure. I get a I get this question a lot. Does your LED have uh, IR and deep reds?
0: Oh, uh, this is good. Yeah. yeah no.
1: Fire yeah, right f- red works. Yeah. It, it and and we need we need to test that out. Yeah. Um, it's you know uh professor bruce bugby he i just got an email from him to actually this morning he's like uh sending a an opinion letter to one of the journal articles that said we should be including far red in the um uh, PPFD uh counting right as part of the standard we should be going out to 800 nanometers um not 700 nanometers in the definition of of par so and and he's got this research you know, that shows that he's, he's, he had a student who uh, a postdoc who studied that. And, and she's at, I think Texas A&M now, and we sent her some lights to, to mess around with. Um, so it's, that's real. And, you know, the, the, the trick is what's the best way to engage, engage that benefit. Yep. You know, those are, those are efficient LEDs, you know, just, just as efficient as red. Um, do you need to have that with red and and the far red does it how much extra benefit does it get you? Um right now you kind of pay a penalty because you don't you don't get you don't get to count that output uh in DLC right yeah, now gotcha, until gotcha. they change the definition. Yep. But that doesn't matter. You know, we wanna make what's right and what works. And uh so we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at that. And um but yeah, it's our our you know, our red is a deep red right now it's 660 nanometers um those are awesome leds they're super efficient um and they you know they make a lot of photons so happy with that we just need to understand you know how much extra supplement should we be looking at in far red Mm -hmm. like 730 nanometers
2: for sure what's your take on the uh on the latest and greatest uv products hitting the market
1: (laughs) you guys know i'm 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 not a big fan of uv uh so, you know, people like to just say, kind of wave their hands and say, UV, you know, we've got UV and uh, and UV is a, is a super broad spectral range. There's UVA, which is like black light, you know, which is right next to violet, you know, visible light. And there's UVB, which gives you sunburn, which is like 320 nanometers. And then there's UVC, which is, you know, kind of centered around 250 to 60 nanometers. So, so first of all, with LEDs, it's a lot easier to make UVA than UVB and UVC. The, the, the deeper you go into the UV, the less efficient the LEDs are. Um, and so, you know, this, this idea that UV is helpful comes from some old research from the 80s from USDA when they were studying, like, what the impacts would be of ozone depletion on crops when there's more UVB coming, hitting the, hitting the ground and and uvb like i said gives you sunburn uh so that's that like that wavelength of light and so these researchers um you know put some uh, in the 80s some uv fluorescent uvb lights on onto some marijuana and they saw uh you know a little a little increase in in i think it was thc Uh, so that's you know that's where all this all this stuff comes from and and it wasn't just one researcher other researchers saw that and their basic idea is like that that these secondary metabolites are are created as a defense mechanism to this damaging radiation that Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense you know fast forward 40 years and here we are and we have some led manufacturers you know putting out uv products they're all uva so they're like 380 390 nanometers which is right next to 400 nanometers which is basically violet so the response isn't going to be different than basically a, a violet LED um it's not not that special right this so
0: you won't get this, those same effects that you got from the research that's not that, that it's not part of the it's UV spectrum no it's yeah.
1: not UVB you yeah. know you got to you got to track that and then the other thing about that is you know the genetics from the 80s are different than they are now so a lot of that you know what the benefit they saw it would be kind of in the noise with the the latest genetics so it's not clear that you're going to get that benefit at all and we're yeah. we're making some uvb bars to test and and we'll we'll figure it out but early research from from guelph up in canada university and from uh, uh bruce bugby is uv all the uv does way more harm than good you, you just can't get it right um it's not there yet. Yeah, it, I, the plants don't like it. You're you're, you're sunburning them, and you're not you're not getting any benefit. Mm-hmm. And you know there could be a role f- for UVC uh, for like germicidal for for um, taking care of some mold and stuff. But uh, and it, it, it's super inefficient though those sources. So you know there's still there's still some more to understand. But but right now I'm I'm more interested in the the, just the red getting the red right checking Mm. out the far red and then uh you know we're making some sample uvb bars yeah and we're going to spread those out to some researchers and see what they say but uh those those LEDs are super expensive too, and they're not efficient. So it's those UVBs. Perfect place to sell them is the cannabis market. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's why we haven't come out with it. Um, Lux won't come out with a UV product just because um, we've tested it and we hadn't yeah, seen yeah. any benefit. in
1: Morgan, yeah, if, yeah.
2: if the research isn't pointing us in that direction, we won't do then it. Then that's not the direction then th- that we want to be pointing growers in.
1: No, that, that's what I like about about it here. It's like we can. You know, we can ignore the hype. We just go right to the researcher and then do our own research, you know, based on what's coming out from the, from the universities and what we're seeing in the, you know, from the best growers in the world and follow our own, our own lead and, uh, and, you know, develop products that we know are going to, are going to help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, I think that wraps it up. This is awesome. Um, Now it's a pleasure having you part of the team um i know brent and i really value you know the time we get to spend together
2: we were like some lost little kids wandering around you know we did we (laughs) did a great job um with some hps uh you know what i mean brandon and you know decades of cultivating and ivan and the crew and and knew that through and through and
0: yeah we knew hps no problem i mean producing the lex d1000 is producing you know 26 27 more ppfd on the canopy that's an easy read right when you have a PPFD meter and you're testing against these other lights, but then when you go into LED diode bin count manufacturers, and, oh, I mean, this is a whole new ball game. Yeah, the world and
2: running out of diodes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. What I mean, so uh, bringing
0: Morgan as part of the Lux team and and having him as full time, you know, working with us daily, working with our design team is, is, is vital. You cannot do it without it.
2: You can help us make the world's best LEDs, Morgan.
1: That's that's what I'm here to do. Brent said when I when I was starting that he's given me the keys to the Ferrari, and that's that's what it is. That's what we have here at Lux. And then you know, getting to work with guys over at Jungle Boys, best growers in the world, uh, and some others. It's uh, it's like you know, dream come true. You get get all the pieces, you get to connect, and 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 you know, try stuff that no one else in the world can do. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, man. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. See ya.